Hi everyone, it's Raghu and back with Mind Rolling. And I'm back today with my favorite singer in the whole wide world, Jonavi Harrison, who I haven't talked to you in a while. Jonavi, welcome. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you again and hear you. Yes. Um, right away, I want to tell anybody who... who I'm not kidding when I talk about praise, Jonavi, uh, for many reasons, and we're going to talk about them uh, during the course of the uh, chat. But I do want everybody to, um, this is the record, okay? It came out, what, a couple of years ago, maybe? Uh, yeah, it was 15? 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two years ago. Get it. That's all I got to <laughs> say. And uh, actually, Jonavi, you know what? Um, I want to play a song from it right now so that people get the idea of what we're talking about so that when we have a chat, they'll know what we're talking about. And I'm going to play one of my uh, favorite cuts, which is uh, Chelly. Ch I, I, who can speak a little bit of Hindi, I can't get, get that. Chelly in Braj. Chelly? Oh, you know, that's actually a, it's Gaelic. a Gaelic word. It's oh, it's Gaelic. not Hindi. <laughs> It's Gaelic. It's not Hindi. Uh, <laughs> it's the Irish. It's the Irish themed tracks, uh, inspired tracks. So that's a Gaelic. Okay. Well, I love Irish music too. Some of the Irish musicians are are my favorite of all time. Van Morrison being at the top of that list. Um, but um, so yeah, let's just listen. Maybe not to the whole thing, but a, a good part of it. Chalian Uh John V. Harrison. Enjoy, and we'll be right back with you.
Everybody get what I mean now? I think you do. I just, I love that song. And the album is just one after the other. Uh, so great, John uh, And I'm going to uh, entreat John a little later in the podcast to uh, actually, I haven't told you what I'd love for you to sing, but I will. So it'll be a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> no, no. But you know what I want to talk about? I, I mean, we've, uh, for those of you who haven't, uh, listen to the podcast that I've done with Jonavi and uh, she described has described her growing up in in Hare Krishna and uh, um, basically at George Harrison's house outside of London that he that he that he put together for the uh, movement and uh, but I want to go straight through to we actually are doing as we speak, and it'll be running through uh, October of this year, uh, a Ramdas mindfulness and meditation course. And and during that course, uh, or before, as we were preparing it, and in fact, I just did a a, a, a video podcast with Ramdas, and um, I said to him, you know, we we I just couldn't think that we could only do you know he's offered all sorts of different kinds of meditations of the heart guru meditations vipassana you know one pointed meditations and so mm-hmm. on, but I couldn't see doing this without chant, without japa, without mm-hmm. the practice which is no more or less than meditation but using mantra. Mm-hmm. So mm. uh, I, this is a core, it is core for you in your tradition, and it is core for me and Ram Das and Krishna Das and, mm. 
And by the way, John, uh, everybody, John Avi uh, closely knows us and our tradition, has spent quite a bit of time with Krishnadas and, and uh, performs with him uh, as well, and just did so recently in London. Um, but talk to me about mantra, chant, and its efficacy and your experience with it, would you? Mm. Wow, it's a big topic. Um you know, I, I sometimes wish that there had been a time that I could remember having been first exposed to mantra because um, I, I sometimes think I'd be able to uh, appreciate it better in some way. You know, this this my life before I encountered it and then my life afterwards. Mm. But I grew up with it and it was something really part of everyday life. Um, I did a, a, a little kind of radio program for the BBC recently, and it was called Hallowed Be Thy Name. Mm. Sorry, that's my phone. Mm. Um, and uh, at the beginning of that program, I was describing how um, every morning I would wake up and hear my parents downstairs chanting their japa. And um, that was like, you know, the soundtrack to my morning every single day. Mm. Um, then in school, um, we would, uh, we would also chant one time round the mala. Um, sorry, can I go? No, it's okay. It'll, can it'll we pause up. for a second? It's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, we were, we were engaging with it. We were encountering it. Um, but I don't think I really started to um i'm not i'm not sure you know at what point i started to feel like i could connect with it in a in a more mature way or or really experiencing something i remember around when i was about 16 years old i started to feel more attracted independently to being in the kirtan and um I couldn't explain what it was at that time. I mean, I knew it was something, you know, that we did and it was it was a wonderful thing to do. But I started feeling like, well, I, I, I want to independently take part in this, you know, even if my parents aren't going with me to the temple. And um, it, it wasn't really until I was probably 18, 19 that I got more inspired with uh, Japa. So... Yeah, for to those, explain japa too, so, so everybody. Yeah, so for those who, um, you know, haven't really engaged much with japa, japa is a, a, a traditional form of meditation, which um, can be done uh, using a mala, using beads. Um, you can count on your fingers. You can count in a variety of ways, but most people use beads. And um, what's done is the the mantra, the sacred name, is repeated over and over. So generally, from the, the guru, there's a mantra that's given, um, and and at the time of um, initiation, they give the, the the beads and the mantra, and uh, you uh, well, for practitioners who you know take things a little bit more to a serious level, they'll make a vow to chant a certain number of times around the mala every day. So in the Hare Krishna movement, this is really very, very core practice 
Um, and uh, it's something which is kind of, it's, it's like a bedrock of the spiritual life, daily life or sadhana. So it's something that those of us who are practicing this, we try to do it early in the morning, ideally, um, try to complete your, your vrat or your vow uh, before all the activities of the day get going. And um, I really find that it's, um, it, it's, it's not easy, you know, it's really not easy. As, as anyone that practices any kind of meditation, you know that the mind is extremely uh, powerful and um, willful and there are so many things which arise um, it's really often a case of confronting yourself and your the the obstacles that that lie within but the wonderful thing about japa is that it's not just about now i i sit in contemplation and observe myself which that has value also but because the name is there, it's actually not really about me. It's about uh, repeating that name. Uh, it's it's a divine dialogue, actually. Um, it's mm. a conversation. It's a time for a private uh, dialogue and conversation with the Lord. And and also at the highest level, of course, you know, a lot of times we do sadhana practices for ourself you know i want to get better i want to improve i want to get some spiritual benefit or upliftment and that that definitely is on an on the initial stage usually what we're all thinking about but then the highest um conception of what it is is that uh it's actually the it, the highest seva it's the highest service um repeating that name in, in, in with a mood of love and service and surrender um, it's actually the greatest service. Mm. And uh, my my parents' guru or, you know, my grandfather guru, Srila Prabhupada, he used to say that, um, you know, really the business is just to chant all day. But he said, because you have such busy minds and you, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> so I have to invent all these different other things for you to do just to keep you engaged in service. But if you were able to do it's it's more than enough. It's the greatest thing to chant all day, whether you're sitting with japa, you're performing kirtan with others, sharing it widely or just very privately. Um, so so generally, japa and kirtan are are considered to be like the heart and the lungs. You kind of need both mm. to 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 have a holistic uh, practice with mantra meditation. Mm. That's, that's my experience also. And the actual mantras, I think people would mm -hmm. want to know, in my experience, they all have a, a distinct resonance, and uh, that resonance pulls you into a deeper place inside yourself, mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's very much part of what the practice is. So once you get your mind out of the way, and, and by the way, everybody, it's no more or less, if you just do a breath meditation and your mind, you know, you're focusing on your breath and your mind mm -hmm. comes in and you're recognizing that and going back to the breath. No different. Mm -hmm. You're doing Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, mm -hmm. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And as you, you identify intrusion of thoughts, emotions, whatever it may be, 
you go back to that point. So in that way, it's absolutely no different, except for one thing, and this is what I want you to comment in your own experience. The, the, uh, the repetition of the name uh, actually, as I said, has a resonance and pulls you into a place uh, where uh, that's beneath all of this stuff, whereas the breath and doing the breath is not eventually with enough one-pointedness then of course there's a in vipassana there's another layer that you that you do get to which is around insight into impermanence which is the buddhist thing but in this mm. case these mantras are taking you to it all goes to the same place everybody out there by the way okay as far as uh, we are concerned uh, it's just a matter of your proclivity to what resonates with you but what do you feel about the the actual mantras and their and their uh, resonance? Well, Japa and Kirtan, as I've been taught in the tradition that I grew up with, are core practices of bhakti, and the the root of the word bhakti is bhaj, to worship, to to praise. Kirtan means to praise. So, um, in one sense, I would, I, would, I would disagree. In one sense, I would say there is a distinction between meditation where one is um, focusing on the breath and uh, trying to observe and you know, let go of thought. Um, because the, the end goal with japa and kirtan is to actually um, develop a deeper relationship with the Supreme Being, uh, to, to praise Him, to worship Him. So in that sense, it is a form of meditation, but the, the object of the meditation is actually not oneself. It's like the, 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 bene the, meditate, the benefits of meditation that you will get through performing Japa are treated as side benefits. It's like that's what you get along with it, mm. but it's not the point of it. The, the point of it is actually purely worship. So, you know, uh, a person, you know, I wake up in the morning. Now, I'm not saying this is how I practice because <laughs> I'm really uh, just really at the beginning. Um, but what I yeah, ideally I'm thinking I'm, I'm alive another day. And this is a day. This is a day to praise my Lord because mm. I love Him, and I want to serve Him. So this is the this is the the purpose of it, to praise and to be constantly um, vibrating in that remembrance of and praise of the Lord. This is in the bhakti bhakti yoga path. This is this is the highest um, aspiration, mm. Mm -hmm. and which you know that the experience of that is. Um, I mean, the, the, the name of God, no, no matter what name you take. So, you know, sometimes we think of, um, you know, there's, there's Hindu names for God and there's Jewish names for God and Muslim names for God. Um, but from the teachings of Bhakti, all the names of God, which are, we don't even know them all, they're infinite in number. It's said sometimes that there's a name for each soul, there's a specific name for the divine that will attract mm -hmm. him or her specifically, just mm -hmm. unique. Mm -hmm. um, 
which is a beautiful, beautiful thought. Um, yeah. But that all of those names are invested with the same um, shakti or power, divine power, uh, in full. So um, just like you know, if you were to um, if you were to come and stand under a waterfall, it doesn't matter which waterfall you stand under, but that cleansing effect of the water is going to clear away the layers of dirt and grime that are accumulated over so long, which are our, our uh, different false conceptions of who we are, why we're here, what we're meant to be doing. Mm. So uh, this, is, this is why, this is, you know, on my very basic level of practice, this is why I do it because I hope to become a little, um, a little more clear, a little more purified and uh, to develop this, this love for the Lord. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I saw something on your site, by the way, uh, which was, I don't know if it was an interview you did, but it was, mm -hmm. what's her name? Aruna Sairam. Oh, yeah. That yeah. lady, beautiful singer. <laughs> yeah. And she said, she basically said what she was doing in her whole life is dedicated to, you know, the the shabd, the sound. Uh, mm. as, uh, and for her, it was an expression of love and trust. Mm. Do you remember that? I mean, I thought that I was do. so I do. exquisite. I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. She's an amazing, amazing lady. Yeah, she sounded so. And very well-spoken mm. as well. Yeah, um, very articulate. But I do think, you know, I talk a lot about trust. In fact, uh, I've mentioned this in a some successive podcasts, but uh, we have a retreat with Ram Dass and Krishna Das in, in Maui, mm -hmm. and Jack Cornfield mm -hmm. in the end of the mm -hmm. year. And we always have a theme, and the theme this year is trust. And, mm. You know, and there's so many different levels of that word, but I think it's an important word because it's a, it's, it is a means of entry into the deeper part of yourself, into the in intuitive Absolutely. part of yourself, yeah. Absolutely. So love and trust, yeah. Mm. Um, so just looking through some of the different things, I had not read the blogs that you have done over quite some time, actually, over years. Mm. And Yeah, uh, it, 10 years. 10 years, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, more than 10 years, actually. I, I started a blog when I was 17. Really? So it's been kind of going on and off ever since. But you look about 21 right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's the lighting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, in, in one of them I found interesting because at some point, I think this is recently, you decided to uh, take the bhakti vows, which are a part of the tradition mm -hmm. right, of, of, uh, of the Hare Krishna movement that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, talk about that, because you mentioned you had put it off for quite some time. You went through some changes just because maybe some of the stuff that had gone on more in America, I think, than anywhere. Uh, some mm -hmm. people went left uh, in the movement long, long, long time back. Um, yeah. Yeah, talk about what you went through there. And I think that's interesting for people, because, yeah. Sure. Well, on one level, it's a really personal topic, yeah. Um, but on another, I'm always 
happy to talk about it because I think that um, my experience has a lot in common with many people's experience, you know, whether they're grow up in a certain tradition or not. Um, it's nice that you asked that question because it really comes back to this word trust, what mm, you were saying yeah. before about trust. And for me, um, you know, whether I'd grown up in the Hare Krishna movement or not, who knows, sometimes we carry with us, you know, if you believe in reincarnation that we've been through many lifetimes, sometimes there's impressions from previous lifetimes, some scars, which give us, um, even without having had any bad experiences, just uh, a, a difficulty trusting, trusting others. But in my case, yes, I had seen, um, it's interesting that you're asking this question because I just today I was talking about the next BBC episode I'm going to do, which is about gurus. Oh. So we were saying that this topic was maybe going to be the, the, the trajectory through it. So yeah, I think, you know, I grew up seeing different gurus and leaders. Um, uh, you know, some of them did struggle with their position. Um, they obviously, uh, in some ways, were not ready for uh, the the adoration and, and worship that was, you know, uh, kind of showered on them, um, which which is a part of being a spiritual teacher um, in one sense. And many of them had um, taken, the, taken the role of guru out of necessity because people needed guides and, and to be trained. And, um, but over the years, uh, things just went a little awry, which um, as I grew older, I understood with more maturity that that can be the case for anyone on the spiritual path. Whatever level you're at, you're never you're never too advanced to have a stumble, you know, and fall. Mm -hmm. um, so, but seeing this um, over the years and, and, and having heard many things um, was one reason why I think I had a little difficulty really, really giving trust. And it wasn't just about trust, but for me, um, I just, I, I know that it is a very deep, it's a very deep thing. It's a deep, commitment to make when you make when you make a vow um, when you make a commitment it's kind of like getting married um, <laughs> that's also a little scary you know any any commitment where you say I'm going to do this from now on and for me that's not so much because of the vows themselves um, for some people they might feel that the vows are are quite a stretch and you you, you know you don't have to do it until you feel you're ready to do that um, but the the vows are one thing you know you vow part of the vows is vowing to chant 16 times around the mala every day which takes about two hours so that's that's a serious time commitment and that was a pretty daunting thing for me 16 um, times around the 108 mala yes or not the yeah. 27 <laughs> not the 27 the, no, the 108 the 108 mala oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, See, I'd be cheating already. I'd go, okay, yeah, yeah I got it. <laughs> I'm done. It's time for <laughs> breakfast. Yeah, no, it's a 16 <laughs> times, it's 16 times around the 108, and that takes about two hours. And you know, I, I found that kind of daunting. I was thinking, oh, am I going to be able to do it? And you really have to adjust your lifestyle. You have to get up early because yeah. 
I mean, I've had many, many days where I didn't get up early and then you're fitting it around things in the day. Sorry about that. That's okay. No problem. Um, but the real, the real vow or the real um, commitment that I see as being taken in that, in that, in taking that step is the surren- surrender, surrender to another person who you say this person is so much more advanced than me and really in the highest conception this person is a representative of god and you will relate to them uh, or 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 serve try to serve them as you would god himself krishna himself that doesn't mean that you that that person is uh the same as god it's it's a kind of a the same and not the same you know um but you're 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 making a commitment that now i am aligning myself with the identity of being a servant not just a servant but we said it we said in the ceremony das anudas 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 which means the servant of the servant of the servant you know so mm. i'm the smallest servant so I, I feel this is a really um kind of a revolutionary um paradigm for you know it's 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 a it's a swimming upstream from the way society sets us up sets us up to think um with myself at the center think everything's serving me um mm-hmm. so yeah it's kind of daunting it's daunting to commit to that because i wonder will i be able to will i be able to do it mm-hmm. can you i make should... it real can i make it sincere you know uh, I know your mother was Jewish, and yeah, and uh, the high holidays are coming up, right? Yeah, Rosh Hashanah. So Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and uh, Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, so is also a day. You know, you make these vows. Oh but yeah. But fortunately, the Jews really are smart people because they thought of something. There's a. Um, there's a little in the small print on the vows you also yeah. you get dispensation that if you don't commit if you don't follow through you'll be okay okay <laughs> that's the that's the best thing i heard about judaism in my whole <laughs> life i i also was brought up that way okay so nice um, oh boy um now just an aside because i saw a picture and uh was this done by radnath swami Yes. Yeah. So uh, everybody out there, he's a wonderful, wonderful Swami in this tradition and very close to uh, to us uh, in Nimkaroli Baba. And mm. yeah, he has um, he's good friends with Krishna Das and, and others mm. of us mm. and uh, just was with Ram Das actually last summer. So. Uh, and in fact, I mean, this is a personal thing uh, that uh, I'll just say to you. I, of mm-hmm. course, have been, um, my first encounter with chanting was the Hare Krishna temple. In, I'm from Montreal, near me. Yeah. And I used to go there. Uh, the food was fantastic. Every Sunday they'd have a <laughs> feast. Okay, so we'd go over there. That was a big attraction. Okay. What 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 kind of year was that? Oh, you're really pinning me to make me so old, Johnny. 
19. Late, late 60s late or 60s. early 70s? Late 60s. Late 60s. Yeah. So right yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, nice. after Prabhupada had come. Um, mm. And then, of course, there was the chanting. And so that, that really was my first exposure. And then I, of course, like everybody, before you were born, we went through this stuff that happened uh, mm. really in the United States. Some of it was really tough to stomach. Mm. Uh, mm. People really going off and abusing power. Uh, it was an archetypical thing. It happens in India all the time with, yeah. with quote-unquote gurus, which is why you know discretion and discrimination is necessary in all yeah. of this. And so I had a bad taste. Only recently, actually... Um, when I met Radhanath Swami and mm. I met, um, who's that great Swami from Germany? What's his Sachinandan Swami. Sachitanand, right? Sachinandan. Sachinandan. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I went to a convocation near me in North Carolina mm. in a place called Boone. Mm -hmm. And, um. I was taken by a friend, and uh, and I met him. And by the way, he told me the most amazing story. I don't know if you know this story. This is just coming to mind. I don't know why. <laughs> he went, uh, he was going to uh, do trekking in the Himalayas, right? Mm. And he decided he'd go to start in Nainital, which is not far from Kenchi, where Maharaji was, and where mm -hmm. we all met him, where mm -hmm. Ramdas first was. And then he remembered when he was in Nainital, oh, yeah, Krishna Das, he was quite friendly with Krishna Das, still is. Um, he said, yeah, he Neem Karoli Baba Ashram is right by. I should go pay, pay my respects or something. So he went there and he crossed and he was on the bridge. And suddenly uh, an itinerant, God knows what, a, just yogi of some sort or he didn't mm. even say it. it. Was somebody just mm. suddenly turned to him and pointed to the first temple, which is a, actually a Durga Vindhyavasini temple, mm -hmm. where Maharaji had has to this day going on as we speak, Hare Krishna mantra, Maha mantra going on twenty four seven with different uh, you know three guys at a time, drums, oh. cymbals, and, and <laughs> harmonium, and they take turns and pointed to that thing and turned around and he said, oh my God, it was Maharaji. Gave him darshan. And he said in that moment, he became completely uh, ecumenical. I mean, he was no, he was like, it, it opened him up in a way, he told me this. Mm -hmm. I was like blown away, you know, because wow. there, there is, you know, many uh, people that I have experienced have tightness around this being the way and no other ways are the way, mm. that mm -hmm. kind of a thing. But these guys are obviously way um, enlightened in that in that sense of the word, and mm. especially Radna. Mm. And mm. Uh, yeah, so it was an, it's an amazing thing. Wonderful. Yeah, and mm -hmm. in that, and I, I told Jonavi before, before we got on the podcast that uh, one, and this is a tip for you all out there in terms of great chanting. I've introduced you to Janavi. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to Madhava Prabhu, M-A-D-H-A-V-A-P-R-A-B-H-U, Prabhu, yeah. Uh, go to YouTube. Also, also goes by Madhava Das. 
just one of his uh uh-huh. uh means master so it comes people use that like as a way of addressing someone yeah. but you'll find him also under Madhavadas. yeah go to youtube and just mm. plug that in and uh, he uh he does it for the right reasons that, and he mm. does it correctly big time <laughs> in the right bob just like janavi and krishna das okay uh so that's a little bit of a tip there um, Let me just turn my light on here. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're starting to fade away. But you look, it, it was kind of interesting there. Oh, yeah, there you go. It's better, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, something else I didn't tell you. I've mm. never told you this. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last couple of years, I, I have met uh, a beautiful jungle baba someone who at 12 went off into caves, you know, the real deal, free being, right? Mm. And uh, he's just, it's all Ram Nam, just the name, nothing else going on, no teaching, no nothing. You know? mm. And uh, he's young, like early 40s, right? And I've talked about him before. I have a bit of a big mouth because he's not public, you know, so, but people have been finding him. Anyhow, one day, um, I mean, he's so uh, humble. I mean, he does sit on a tucket and, and all of that, but then he'll come eat with you. Have you ever heard of that? Mm. You know, that's very uh, abnormal for a being mm. like this. Mm-hmm. And then also I went to take rest. He would go, go take rest after lunch, which is traditional in India. And then he came and, and uh, there was a few of us and he had just done a bandar for like, 30, 40,000 people he fed, right? And then he, and he's got jutta down to his ankles. I mean, he's a real archetypical jungle baba, mm. except not like a naga, you know, those fierce nagas, although yeah. he only started yeah. wearing clothes like five, six years ago. Wow. Uh, just a love. So, okay, we lay down, and he, he, he fell out because he was so tired from everything. So I, I wasn't tired. But I had my headphones on and my cell phone, and I had you in there. Mm. And I was listening to that song that we played earlier in the podcast. Mm. And I'm just floating away in the middle of, you know, nowhere and just, you know, total bliss, okay? <laughs> it was a beautiful moment. And he he had just sort of turned or something, and his head fell on my arm, and he was using it as a pillow. And I didn't want to move. I thought, oh, God. And I looked at him. He was just like baby Krishna. I mean, he just looked so pure and innocent and so on. Anyhow, mm-hmm. we got up, and I said, Baba, you got to listen to this. And I put I put the earphones on, and I put that song on, and he he went off. And he just <laughs> went, oh, Bahod Sundar. Bahod, very beautiful. So <laughs> you had darshan of, of somebody you don't know. It was just a, a an exquisite moment, John of you. Wonderful. Uh, um, so, okay, not to ruminate too much. Uh, what else? I found, uh, you know, other interesting thing uh, that mm-hmm. you, um, this uh, this whole thing that you went into around the Holocaust, I found quite interesting, right? And that you. This you, was a blog that I wrote. Yeah, yeah, and you bumped into a woman named Alice Hurt Summer, who was a, an, a, apparently an amazing, you know, concert concerto piano player, right? And uh, yes, do you remember this? 
Oh, this was um I think I posted a video, but I didn't meet her. I just uh -huh. um I, I never her. met her. I wish I wish I had. She actually lived she lived in London, um, I think near, you know, near, near King's Cross Station, apparently, St. Pancras Station. Um, I could have met her over the years, but I think she passed away just a few years ago. And then I just last year, I, I, I saw this video about her. She's an extraordinary person. Um, so I wish I would have met her, but sadly not. Yeah. I mean, she went yeah, through. She, yeah. Tell her story a little bit, if you remember. Well, um, she went through unbelievable um, hardship in the Holocaust and very, very unusual because she was she was a musician. Um, and at that time, instead of getting sent to the labor camps, um, some people who were musicians or, or actors or, you know, other kinds of um, artists got sent to this camp, Theresienstadt which was like the, the Nazi um, model camp from which they would film propaganda films oh, yeah. uh, to show the rest of the world, this is how, this is how the camps are. So they would perform these um, you know, concerts uh, and um, plays and do all kinds of activities and, and the, they would be filmed. And then in the nighttime, they were sleeping outside on the hard ground and she had a five-year-old son with her and um, her son said, did you ever, they, they asked him, did you ever, did you ever feel that, you know, did you ever, ever feel scared? And he said, no, my mother never made me feel that we were in a dangerous situation. Wow. She always was smiling and she always was giving me love. And uh, when they asked her about it, she said, um, she said, well, you know what can I, I i can't you have to watch the film like because it, it was some time ago that i watched it but the words she she uses um it's just amazing she was the most uh optimistic she was full of positivity and optimism and she never had any um sense of you know needing retribution or or or, or blaming anyone she just stated what her experience was and then she focused on the music and how the music gave, gave her so much love for life and joy so i found it i found it quite amazing yeah. um that's a saint yeah one would say yeah come on yeah. <laughs> really i did write you have to learn from people like that yeah yeah, yeah. i wrote down something actually uh mm -hmm. that you uh, i guess you got it somewhere and she said i look at the good when you are relaxed your body is always relaxed when you are pessimistic your body behaves in an unnatural way. It is up to us whether we look at the good or the bad. Mm. When you are nice to others, they are nice to you. When you give, you receive. Now, and this is no spiritual lady. This is but the most highly spiritual lady that mm. one could hope to meet, right? Yeah. I mean, just amazing. Um, and and you you... I th either later in this thing that you wrote, this blog you wrote, or, or in another one, you say, you talk about how optimism doesn't come easily to you. Well, you and I, sister, are in the same boat, because when I read <laughs> through this, I thought, oh, Christ, what <laughs> have I done in my life to be, you know, doom and gloom, oh, you know, right. forget about it. 
what use is rehearsing it? rehearsing the catastrophe yeah it's insane right yeah yeah and then what does it go back to learning to trust mm. trusting yeah. the, trusting the, the everyday the mystery and uh and that's a diff- i mean many of us have have that bugaboo of uh as she said yeah because when you don't when you don't have a heart of optimism for the um for the fact that you are guided every second of the day everyone has a guide everyone and call it a guide we call it a guru it doesn't matter but there is that representative of god that is yes. operating on every moment and then it, yes. so what is the use and i'm saying this i'm talking to myself okay what is the use of any kind of pessimistic or looking for what's the worst thing that can happen mm. in the moment you know mm. Oh god. Hmm. Um which brings me to another thing that uh, highly interested me which was you wrote something um I don't know if it's the, the title of the blog but it was around the art of bending. Do you remember that? Mm. I do. That was some time back. Yeah. Yeah, talk about that and what that means to you. I'll tell you what it means. The art me. of bending. Yeah. Uh, I think I wrote that. I think I wrote, you're going to have to remind me. I think it was a New Year's resolution type post. Mm. Um, but it was a good four or five years ago, I think. Mm. So I'm struggling to remember what what it was about. Well, it's about flexible, flexible, being flexible in your mind. Being flexible. Yeah, and yeah. being open. Uh, but I love the phrase, well, the art of bending. And yeah, well, again, something that doesn't come so easily to me, no. in a way. Um, well, in How a so? way, and in a way not. In a way, in a way not. And uh, well, by nature, I suppose I'm kind of fluid, you know, artistic and and all. But um, I think, like many people, I struggle with with change, <laughs> or you know, impermanence. Yeah, struggling with struggling with change yes and permanence um it's difficult but um again trust surrender uh, having faith um it really helps and 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 actually um learning from those who are masters at you know accepting change at bending at masters at the art of bending mm. um you know it's I, I've been thinking about this um, last night. I was I was actually I was leading a meditation class, and the theme was about uh, letting go and acceptance of change. <laughs> so, in in leading the class, I was also thinking about my own challenges with this. And at the end, um, at the end of the meditation, usually I sing some mantra or some 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 verse from the Gita or some of the other sacred texts. And I was singing this verse, a uh, very, very ancient verse from the beginning of the Ishopanishad, which says, um, it's, it's describing that Supreme Being here, I guess, Supreme Being Krishna. And uh, it uses this name at the end, Sarva Karana Karanam. Sarva means all and 
Karana Kaparanam, he's the cause of all causes. So today this name was going round and round in my head, the cause of all causes. Mm. That if if I have faith that behind every happening, every circumstance, everything I encounter, the good and the bad, is Krishna, because he's the cause of all causes. Then it helps me to accept accept it or ex- accept that it, there must be something to learn here, and that, you know it's not easy. It's really not easy. I I I had that experience quite strongly the last two years in my life. Something quite challenging, and and you know it, I I wobbled this way and that way, but coming through that, this is uh, what I am holding on to, and I find it really really helpful. Mm. Well, just go ahead. Can you sing the mantra, this Sanskrit? Yeah. Ishwara Paramakrishna Sachidananda Vigraha Anadiradir Govinda Sarvakaranakaranam Beautiful. You mm. might recognize this verse. It's on the beginning of the Govindam track mm. on my album. Mm-hmm. A yeah. Different tune, but it's the same verse. It's yeah. the really um, key verse, actually. I try to remember a lot. You know, what I'd really love to have you sing a little of, that actually when you were doing the record, you know, and I got some of the early things and gave you some feedback, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Around that time, I found on YouTube you doing, it's titled Divine Mahamantra. Mahamantra. But that melody. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. thought to myself, why in the world is not <coughs> this not on this album? You know, but I'm sure you had a lot of stuff that could have been on the album, and I'm sure you're going to. Yeah. Are you doing yeah. another one, it by the way? Was. I am, yes. I. I would like to, you know, I was hesitating for a long time because uh, I just wasn't sure whether whether it was needed, whether I had it in me to do another one, whether I wanted to. Um, it's needed. I need. It's 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 needed. Yeah, but you know, th- there's a, another practical reason, and this might be of interest to people to hear about. You know, just from the perspective of someone that's making the recording. Um, the whole, as you know, I'm sure the whole music industry has completely changed. Uh, none of us are buying music as much as we used to, yeah. myself included. We mostly uh, stream things or do digital downloading. Mm-hmm. And many, many people I know just copy and share stuff. So um, the question about whether to invest large amounts of money and time in making studio recordings i mean i i actually really enjoyed doing it and i and i like to do it and i was very fortunate that this that project was crowdfunded but um amongst many friends who are creating devotional music we sometimes question you know should we keep doing it is there a better way to do this do we need to make albums or should we just continue trying to share kirtan in a you know, in a, in a, a live dimension. 
-hmm. So th this is a question, but um, but but in answer to your first question, yes, I am going to make another one. <laughs> I would like to. Well, uh, I would like to, and I'm planning to start soon. Well, I'm going to help you whenever you decide to do it. I'll do everything I can, as you know. Oh, thank you. And thank you. Uh, I do think it's crowdfunding is the way to go. I do think. I you, do think so. I do think you should do it in a live atmosphere, so you're not spending, you know hundreds of hours in a studio perfecting because mm -hmm. that's what happens when you go into a studio you do mm -hmm. several this is a crazy thing to talk about on a podcast but okay i have to give you this uh, <laughs> my years of experience doing this kind of stuff mm. so yeah whenever but do you mind actually we were thinking of doing it with a harmonium but one you could you who have perfect I can pitch grab the harmonium. yeah okay let's do it yeah i can grab the harmonium okay we're gonna pause for a second we're gonna pause <clears throat> pause you know what you set this up i know what i'm gonna do you're first i'll put of all, it on my lap i'll put it on my lap it's okay I yeah okay but it. i want to say something that yeah. not only is janavi an incredible singer with incredible emote spiritual emotive quality bob she also is a wonderful artist and a poet okay a renaissance girl like you have never seen before. So while you set that up, because I found a poem I want to read, okay? Sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read in one. Uh, where is it? It is called, I Have Some News. Okay. Okay, everybody, listen to this while Johnny sets up. I have some news. I am going to die, and so are you. This heart will stop cold, a tickless clock. And the color and pulsing of this brain will fade, quick as the tide at dusk. These hands will no more fret and pull at the edges of this body, and the eyes that have drunk thousands of gallons of light will close. We will all burn like dry grass in California, one spark, one moment in time, and with a rush, an exhale, exhale, a fall, a flame, this play will end. And what of I? This pinpoint of consciousness, where will I call home? Will I remain or merely as a memory, an abandoned timeline, a name written on paper and stone? Will you remember me and I remember you? Will the walls and towers we built remain and the coppers and pounds, blossoms and fruit? The great ones say that we will go where our desires pull us if we are fortunate toward our source, the only one worth serving. Somehow or other, though I am going to die, and you too, on a hope and a prayer, a song and a dance, a promise made on a battlefield long, long ago. We will find our way home like magnets ever seeking our pole. You wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> but you're so young to write that. Amazing, John. I'd be blessed, blessed to... Um blessed to be around great souls mm. Rade Rade okay go ahead sing for okay. us 
God, do I love that, Janavi. Mm. It's a beautiful tune. Mm. You must do that in the next record, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. I wish some of the artists that I produced over the years were that easy. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Oh, God. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, you are just so wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much, Raghavu. Such a pleasure. And everybody, um, tell us, uh, give us the uh, URL so people can check you out, check more of these blogs out and poetry and drawings. And what is it? Sure. Uh, it's Little Conch. Conch is in the conch shell. Littleconch.com. Hmm. And um, I actually have probably even more blogs on my old blog which i started when i was 17 which is janavi.wordpress.com but mm. my my current one uh, they're both called a little conch my current one is littleconch.com mm. 
And the idea behind uh, people often ask, what is the meaning of little conch? And the idea is that, um, you know, the, the, this conch shell in many people who have seen the traditional puja being performed, you see the conch being blown. That sound is uh, considered to be very auspicious and uplifting. And it also um, is making a statement. It's, uh, it's kind of heralding um, the worship of the Supreme Lord mm -hmm. Krishna. So the idea is that, you know, we can all blow that sound, some, some form of praise or worship in the world. And it may be a very small sound, just a little boop. <laughs> but wh whatever little sound you make, that, that will have an, an impact and effect on touching somebody's heart, even if it's just one person. So, so make your sound, make your sound of praise. Mm -hmm. In whatever way you can. No, so that's, that's, that's all we all can do. However, we yeah, can do it. Our little that's bits. It. Yeah. yeah. Just that Ram Das talks about you change your heart so that you can affect change in one heart at a time. Mm. That's mm. all we can do. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Jonavi. This is Raghu at Mind Rolling. Go to the BeHereNowNetwork.com and uh, you'll get. Um, you know, Genevieve's record will be there and uh, a website you can link to. You can buy the record on, on our Amazon link. Uh, and uh, we will see you again sooner than later. Thank you, Genevieve. Thank you, Raghu.